0: This podcast was recorded at Grace Point Church of Orville. For more information, visit us online at orogracepoint.com. It's good to be in church on a Sunday morning, and we want to continue with our ongoing exploration of Christian character. And you've had plenty of time to read and think about chapter 5. I thought one thing that would be fruitful here is to look at, at least to start with, three of these interesting metaphors or images that our author draws out relative to what Paul is trying to communicate about this process of being renewed and transformed from within. If you'll remember, Jesus, in the two previous uh, lessons that we looked at, focused a lot on the heart, transforming the heart, that the heart has to be transformed. Paul shifts, and his focus is still interior, but he uses different metaphors. But both Jesus and what we're going to see as we start working through the teachings of Paul, both of them are very concerned with an inner transformation. If you want to become the kind of person that's going to reflect God in our world, there must be internal transformation. Without that internal transformation, we will never be able to fully live out the vocation, the calling that God has for us. So let me read in 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 5, the first few verses to set the stage here, beginning verse number 1, now when it comes to specific times and dates, my dear family, you don't need to have anyone write to you. You yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a midnight robber. When people say peace and security, then swift ruin will arrive at their doorstep. Like the pains that come over a woman in labor, and they won't have a chance of escape. But as for you, my dear family, you are not in darkness. That day won't surprise you like a robber. You are all children of light, children of the day. We don't belong to the night or to darkness. So then, let's not go to sleep like the others, but let's stay awake and remain in control of ourselves. People who sleep, you see, sleep at night. People who get drunk, get drunk at night. But we daytime people should be self-controlled, clothing ourselves with the breastplate of faith and love and with the helmet of the hope of salvation. Because God has not placed us on the road to fury, but to gaining salvation through our Lord Jesus, the Messiah. He died for us, so that whether we stay awake or go to sleep, we should live together with him, so strengthen one another, and build each other up, just as you are doing. Now, this first metaphor, then, that our writer draws on, that's useful in thinking about Paul, is this image of people who are supposed to be awake, awake while the other folks are still sleeping. Uh, Our writer describes, and I guess this sounds good to me, that maybe Paul was a morning person, that you get this sense of expectation that comes early in the morning. And this imagery in Paul is that the rest of creation, they're still asleep. They haven't fully grasped what's happening, but we know what's happening. And so we're up, we're awake, we're ready for the day. Maybe this has happened to you. Um, I know what happens to me the night before I'm supposed to take a big trip or something. It's pointless to sleep because I'm anticipating. I know what's going to happen. It's not just, well, if I go to sleep, I might oversleep. There's an anticipation that prompts a person to get up and get moving. And it's that same sense of urgency. It's not fear, but it's this eager anticipation that you get in the writings of Paul, that we're awake. Other folks may be oblivious to what's happening in the world. They're asleep. They're still in the darkness, but not us. We are daytime people. And as daytime people, as people who are awake, then that leads to certain practices, certain behaviors, understanding that something is dawning. The sun has already started to come up, prompts us then to act and to do. Now, if you'll notice, though, in this recognition of being people of daylight, Paul speaks again and again about the things that we choose to do, right? Let's not go to sleep, but let's stay awake and remain in control of ourselves. In other words, you don't become... A morning person who gets up and launches out on the day by accident. The default is to just close your eyes, to pull the covers over your head. That's the default, is to stay asleep, to stay in bed. Paul here says daytime people are people who are in control of themselves. People who recognize the day is dawning. They take action. They get up. They get moving. They recognize there is a kingdom that has been launched. There is a work that is underway that you and I are called to participate in. But that takes a choice. Paul talks about faith, hope, love. These virtues, these things that characterize what it means to be a person of the daytime. Now what's fascinating is on the one hand, these realities have already been brought into existence by Jesus. So when Paul talks about being an early riser, metaphorically speaking, now if you like to sleep in, that's fine. This this is spiritually speaking. We're not going to kick you out because you don't want to get up before noon. Don't push the metaphor too far today. Paul says if you want to be an early riser in the kingdom of God, you need to recognize that Jesus has already started this process. So we're not starting from scratch. We're not making the sun rise. We don't get up early because that's what causes the sun to rise. We get up early because the sun is already rising. And so it's important to keep that in mind. On the one hand, the work of the rising sun is in the hands of God. This is God's kingdom God's project, but on the other hand, you have to want to get up. If you don't want to be a daytime person, it doesn't matter if the sun's shining. If you don't want to get out of bed, you will miss it. You'll miss out on what's happening if you don't choose to get up. And part of that process of choosing to get up, and this is what moves us into Paul's idea of what inner transformation looks like is you have to think through what that means. As a believer, you have to start developing and cultivating an awareness and understanding of what it means to live in the daytime, of what it means to get up early in the morning and to go to work. Daytime people, from Paul's perspective here, are people who are making choices in the present, developing the character, developing the virtue in the present that is in anticipation of the rising sun. This involves some thought. It doesn't accidentally happen. It involves thinking and reasoning and discerning So this brings us to this second uh, metaphor that our writer draws on. Colossians chapter 3. Paul writes, beginning of verse number 4, When the Messiah is revealed, the one who is your life, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. So put to death the earthly parts. Skip down to verse number 9. Since you have put off the old human with its deeds and have put on the new human, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of the one who created it. Let me just read for you the epistle of 1 John, because John is echoing some nice things here that Paul talks about. 1 John chapter 2, verse uh, 28, and then we'll jump to chapter 3. Now, children, abide in him, so that when he is revealed we may have boldness and not be ashamed before him at his royal appearing. In chapter 3, beginning verse number 2, Beloved, we are now God's children, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who possesses this hope in him purifies themselves just as he is pure. So again, notice here, what we see first is that the sun is rising. We're not starting from scratch. Paul's writing here. John's writing here. You are children of God. You are greatly beloved. You're included in God's kingdom. God's doing something great. You're a part of that. But this next metaphor is not only you got to get up, but when you get up in the morning, something really important has to take place as well. You have to get dressed. If you just get up and you don't get dressed, it's incomplete. And you have to dress appropriately for the day. It still never ceases to amaze me, even at Berkeley, when I have people show up for a one o'clock class in their pajamas what happened to you? You They come walking in and it looks like they just rolled out of bed. I've seen them wearing slippers like the big fuzzy ones on campus. You've missed something. You're supposed to be at a university. You're supposed to be getting a college degree so that you can go on and be productive in the world and you're not dressed appropriately. Or maybe you've seen places, you know, snowing outside and Whatever, and there, there goes somebody in flip flops and shorts. You're like something's wrong with them. They're not dressed appropriately. Do they not realize it's cold outside? And so Paul not only employs again and again this imagery that the sun's coming up, the day is dawning. So let's be people of the daytime. Let's be the people who recognize that that reality is already in motion. Let's think about what does that mean? What does that do for our relationships with one another, for the way that we see the world around us? Most of our world, it's still living in darkness. It's nighttime for them. They're clueless about what God is doing, and they're living according to that cluelessness. Destructive ways, all kinds of dysfunction taking place because they're in the dark. That shouldn't be our story. We're supposed to be the people who say yes, yes, It may seem really dark right now, but that sun's coming up and we're going to greet it. We're going to get up and meet it and we're not going to meet it in our pajamas. We're going to get up and we're going to get dressed. And if you look in Colossians chapter three, you read the first 17 verses, you find things you put on, things you take off, things that you should be wearing and things you shouldn't be wearing. But it's not really a list of rules so much as it is, this is the appropriate way to greet the day. If you're really thinking this through, this is how you anticipate the rising sun. You get dressed. If if we use one of our metaphors from earlier with the rain, if it's going to rain, Colossians is not giving us, here's What you have to do, it's saying if you really believe it's going to rain, this is how you dress appropriately, to anticipate the rain. And Paul here draws an interesting contrast, and I want to note this because sometimes this gets taken a little bit sideways. In verse 2 of Colossians chapter 3, he says, Think about the things that are above, not the things that are on the earth. And our writer, N.T. Wright, pauses to talk about this, and I think it's really important that here Paul is not drawing a contrast between some special spiritual reality and the earthly world, because if you'll notice all the things associated with the earth, those you could have those if you had just a disembodied spirit, right? A spirit can be greedy. It's not that the dirt, the physical world around us is bad. That's not what Paul's describing here. What he's talking about in this contrast, things that are above and below, don't think about this as spiritual and physical, but he's speaking about that same question of thy kingdom come, where above reflects the things that are ordered according to God's purpose, God's will, God's sovereignty, those things that are below on the earth. Here he's referring to those habits, those practices that are turned away from God that reflect the current corruption, the current chaos that surrounds us. So the earthly things, God does not hate the earth, the planet. He doesn't hate people and nature and water and trees, but it's reflective of this corrupt system that surrounds us. And Paul says, when you get up in the morning, if you really are a person of the daytime, then there are some things that are appropriate to the daytime that don't line up with the nighttime. The things that are above, the rising sun. These are the things that we're supposed to be looking towards, setting our mind on, paying attention to, because those are the things, ultimately, that are going to shape who we are. And notice what he says. He says, think about the things Pay attention to the things that are above. And what that means in getting dressed, he uses some pretty strong language. He says, put to death. Put away. Put on. Those are the three key pieces that we find in this opening of Colossians chapter number three. There are some things that you're just going to have to say that is going to have to die because it is incompatible with walking in the daylight. It's not a matter of, well, it violates Rule 53. It's, you know, when I think about it, that is antithetical to the kind of person that I am. And I I have to put that to death because if I don't, it's going to kill me. It's going to corrupt who I am. It's going to turn me away from being a daytime person. You, You just can't find a middle ground with dishonesty. You just have to kill it. If you want to walk in the light, in the truth of who God is, and walk in God's truth, and God's knowledge, and God's understanding, you say, you know, dishonesty, it just has to die. Because I cannot walk in that And be a daytime person at the same time. Not only that, but Paul says that there are some things that just have to be put away. I have to push them away from me. They're not compatible with who I am. They're not compatible with the development of character that accompanies the person of the daytime. You know, there are some fashions that just need to be put away. Let that one go by the wayside. We're moving on. We're doing something new. The daylight is breaking in. So let's just put some of those things away. And if you'll notice those list of things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, evil speaking. These are things that are incompatible with reflecting God's image of God's character in our world. So when I wake up, those things have to get put aside. That's not the clothing for the day. See, this this question of choice, though, it's everywhere. These things, anger, wrath, malice, it's a willful putting away. Put it to death. It requires desire. It requires intention. Intention. And again, I want to make sure that I have this framed. The sun coming up is not my doing. God's kingdom is unfolding. It's his grace. It's his mercy. It's his wonderful love that continues to spill into our lives. But when that light starts shining and an awareness begins to dawn on us, hey, God is doing something. I have a choice to make. Do I want to participate in that? Do I want to be a person of the daytime? And if so, then I'm going to have to start throwing out some clothes. And it's not so that you just throw away everything and now we're free. That's what little kids do. They just strip down and there they go. That's not what we're being called to do. Paul, after he says you got to put some things to death, you got to put away some things, then he says... Put on then as God's chosen ones. Recognize God has called you. You're not doing this to earn God's calling. God's already chosen you. God's already picked you. God's already decided to invite you in. Now let's get dressed for the occasion. Let's put on some things. It's not osmosis. It's not, well, if I just hang out with the right people at some point in time, I'll look right. No, there has to be this moment, sooner or later, and our writer says, preferably sooner, when each individual Christian must make the key choices to put on the things which genuinely anticipate in the present that rising kingdom, that approaching kingdom of God, that life that we have been promised in Christ, where each individual decides, I'm going to put on these things. And what we've seen, we've talked about this in our previous lessons, when I start putting those things on, it begins to reshape who I am. There's something really interesting about the way you dress. It actually changes the way you think. And when you are putting on these spiritual things, you're putting on compassion and goodness and kindness. Look at that list in verses 12 through 17. Compassion, kindness, meekness, patience, forbearance, forgiveness, and above all love. It's going to start changing who you are when those are the things that you're putting on. Notice this list it sounds a lot like the Beatitudes. Paul and Jesus are on the same page. Paul here is engaging a different piece of this puzzle, namely the mind. You have to use your mind. You have to decide. Pay attention. You've got to use some discernment. You've got to look around, take inventory, figure out what kind of person am I? Am I a person of the day or the night? Day. All right. Now, let me think about what does that mean? What does that look like? What is the daylight? What is this light that's coming up? How should I respond? I need to get dressed. Well, I'm going to have to make some choices. I'm going to have to decide. Put some stuff away. Put some things on. This is the cultivation of virtue. Keep your eye on the goal. Figure out what it is you're up to. How do we get there? And then let's begin to practice And for Paul, a key element, maybe the key element in this process that he returns to again and again, and we've already seen hints of it, Paul says in Romans 12 and 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind is important in this process. Jesus talks a lot about the heart, which is crucial. Paul says we also need to remember that the mind. And both of them are are trying to help us understand the inner person. He's not talking about just your brain. Um, Ancient people really didn't understand where your consciousness may have been. They're both talking about the inner you has to be involved in this process. Let me just read both verses there in Romans 12. Paul says, beginning in verse number 1, Romans 12. So, my dear family, this is my appeal to you by the mercies of God. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and appropriate worship. What's more, don't let yourselves be squeezed into the shape dictated by the present age. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can work out and approve what God's will is, what is good, acceptable, and complete. Notice at the beginning, by the mercies of God, he's framing this. This is all happening within God's grace. But then Paul says, you need to have your mind transformed. It needs to be renewed so that you can work out some things. If everything that you do relative to the kingdom of God is just because somebody else is making you do it, you have not yet arrived, according to Paul. You're not really there yet because some of this stuff, you have to figure out what it looks like in your life because nobody else has your life. The sun's coming up. That's universal. You're supposed to put on forgiveness and mercy and compassion, the clothes that we're all going to wear. But then you have to figure out what does that look like in your family? Be careful about just picking up what we do now and applying it to everybody at all times and places. That's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying you need to have your mind renewed because you're going to have to work out some stuff. You can't just borrow it from your neighbor. You can't just borrow it from what somebody did 20 years ago. You have to work this stuff out. And it's worked out within a very specific context. Notice the overall context here is priestly worship. Think back to our earlier lesson. We're called to be kings and priests, a royal priesthood. And so Paul says these three interlocking things that our writer talks about. You can go back and read about it a little bit more if you want. You offer your body, your whole self to God. This is the utterly fitting thing to do. It's the most natural thing to do within God's paradigm. Not natural within the paradigm of our world, but God has blessed us, he's given himself for us, he's called us. The appropriate fitting thing is, I'm all yours, God. And this doesn't mean I self-destruct. It means I'm going to direct myself, I'm going to orient my life towards God as a living sacrifice. I don't say, okay, I belong to Jesus. That means... No more fun, no more enjoyment in life. We'll just spend each Sunday beating ourselves uh, so that we know how bad we are and then go on the rest of the week. No, it's about offering my life up to God in worship, in celebration that comes from being transformed and renewed. And Paul here makes it very clear. The mind must be transformed. So that you and I can think out for ourselves so that we can weigh, so that we can discern, so that we can engage. What is it that God wants me to do? What does it look like on my job, in my family, in my context to reflect the light of God, to anticipate the day in this dark world? And for Paul... The way that you avoid getting squeezed and conformed into the paradigm around us is by having your mind transformed. That's really interesting. For a lot of Christians today, they're not really big on the thinking part of this experience. Our culture is one in which feelings tend to dominate, and if we're not careful, that bleeds into the church where it's, well, I just feel like, well, you've got to be careful because depending on what you ate last night or how you woke up this morning, you may feel one way or the other, and that has no bearing on what it means to live in the daylight. The antidote to the powers of this present age. I like how our writer on page 152, uh, let me just read his per- the paragraph that he writes here because it's really, really good about two-thirds of the way down the page. The antidote to the power of the present age, then, is to have the mind renewed so that one can think clearly about the way of life which is pleasing to God, which is in accordance with God's will, good and acceptable, and here it is again, perfect, teleos, complete. This renewal of the mind is at the center of the renewal of the whole human being. The mind that is in rebellion against God cannot see clearly. But Paul says, if you want to live in the day, if you want to walk in fellowship with God, you need to have your mind renewed. Following Jesus is not guesswork. It's not how we feel this day or that day, but it is about Renewing one's mind and allowing God to transform us through the renewing of that mind. And this brings us to the third metaphor. The day is dawning. I want to live in anticipation of that. I need to get up and I need to get dressed. And then this third piece, and this is where you really see the transformed mind comes into play is I need to learn to speak the new language that's associated with this daylight. For a lot of Christians, it's not language, it's parroting. You can teach a parrot to repeat things. It doesn't mean you're having a conversation with them. You could get up every morning and the parrot says, good morning, or how are you? It doesn't mean it cares about you. I read about a comedian one time, he said his sister got a parrot And it was really good at mimicking. And this was bad because it was a rough point in her life. So she would cry and then the parrot would start crying. And then that would make her cry even more. And then the parrot would cry more. And he said people would come over and there, her and the parrot are just hysterical together in the kitchen. The parrot wasn't suffering in her affliction and her sorrow. It was just repeating things. If we are going to be disciples of Jesus... Ultimately, we can't just repeat things. We've got to get our mind around some things. We've got to become grounded. Coming to church, walking with Jesus, is not about turning your mind off. There's not a sign out over the door that says, please stop thinking now for the next hour. That's not Bible. God wants to renew our mind, to transform our minds. It's important for us to be thinking people. I'm just going to read from Philippians and then we'll come back to this mind part next week because I'm running out of time. Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, beginning verse number 9, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you can figure out properly things that differ from one another so that you may be blameless and innocent for the day of the Messiah, filled with the fruits of righteousness which come through Jesus the Messiah to the glory and the praise of God. The point of being transformed by the renewing of our minds is so that we can work out, test out, think through, and come to a confident, settled determination about what God's will is and what God wants for me and how I should walk in this present world. It's not enough to say, well, the pastor said I have to do this. That's not a renewed mind speaking. Well, you know, that's just what the group does. That's not a transformed mind speaking. It's an awareness. When Paul says, look, you need to become aware. The day's dawning. What decision are you going to make in light of that? Do you want to be a person of the day or a person of the night? Then you have to get up and you have to discern, what am I supposed to wear today? What is the season? What's it going to be like today? Maybe check the weather. Paul says you need a renewed mind because you, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, if you want to have real character formed, You have to decide these things. You have to start making up your mind in advance. Not just waiting and going the spur of the moment. Paul here in Philippians says, My prayer is that your love may abound. But it's not a wishy-washy thing. It's not just a feeling. It's with knowledge and all discernment so that you can figure out properly things that differ from one another. Our calling as disciples is that we need transformed minds. We need God to change the way that we think because I'm not going to be able to live up to my vocation as a royal priest in God's kingdom on autopilot. It's not going to happen. It calls for engaged people. It calls for disciples who study, who read God's word. This is why we believe in Bible study. So your mind needs to be transformed by the Word of God. You need to think about things differently. Preaching is not supposed to just make you feel different, it's supposed to make you think different. It doesn't push on your thought process, it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. Screaming at people doesn't mean you're preaching, it just means you're loud. And sometimes loud does nothing to renew the mind. If you can't understand what's being said, how is this going to renew your mind? How are you going to hear and think about the world differently? It's not going to happen. We need to have our minds renewed. So think about those two key metaphors, and then we'll, we'll develop the third one, the language, a little bit more next week. Paul says we're supposed to be early morning risers. Not in the physical sense, in the spiritual sense. Lots of our world lives in darkness. But we know the sun's coming up. And we're going to start living according to that. So we're going to have to dress appropriately. How do we do this? How do I come to understand what's it mean to be a person who lives in the daytime? How do I know what kind of clothes to wear? By my transformed and renewed mind. That when God begins to reform my thought process, then I can discern. Then I can begin to wrestle with and work out what it means to be a person walking in the daytime. Without the renewed, transformed mind, I can't make those discernments. I can't make those judgments. Just like Jesus said, without the renewed heart, you're never going to get there. If you don't deal with the problem of the heart, you're never going to get there. Paul says, if your mind is not renewed and transformed, you're going to have no clue how to live and walk and act in this world because you can't just borrow from your neighbor. You can't just borrow from 50 years ago. You can't just borrow from 100 years ago. You have unique circumstances. You have to be able to discern and walk with knowledge and understanding in those circumstances. Okay, so I've run totally out of time. Thank you for listening. Our podcasts are made possible by generous donations from listeners like you. To hear more, visit us online at orogracepoint.com.